Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Got food in my mouth. Perfect. Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. <laughs> I'm eating. Brad's eating. I just in honor of our review where somebody said that we eat too much. Yeah, so now we're only gonna eat in the intros. <laughs> Can you hear all the food I've stuck between my teeth right now? <laughs> if it bothers you, <clears throat> you don't have to listen to the podcast. This is a spicy turkey sandwich. Yeah. Uh, Brad ran out in a rainstorm and got me a sandwich, which was very nice of him. Yeah, it's the kind of guy I am. Yeah. I won't do it for anybody else. No, it's true. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we're in Williamsburg today, and I'm wearing shorts. It was so hot this morning, and now it's like a monsoon outside. It just cooled off, dude. Yeah. It was hot yesterday. You're not paying attention. I never pay attention. I always dress the exact opposite of how I should. <clears throat> I also have a balcony, so I can literally just walk outside, and I never do. I'm like, <laughs> it looks kind of sunny. <laughs> My balcony doesn't work because it, it's like all brick and I feel like it actually retains heat. Interesting. And sometimes it also shelters, you know, depending on the direction. Like the wind is, I guess, usually coming from the other way. So I'll go out on the balcony and be like, oh, fuck yeah, it's nice out. It's hot. And then I'll go outside in shorts like you and it'll right. be freezing cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. <clears throat> Summer in New York. Hey, it's upon us. It's a fickle... It's a whole different thing, man. For those of you who have never been to New York in the summer, it's a different animal. Yeah, I used my air conditioning for the first time last night. Yeah. I was so, I've been so uncomfortable lately, and I was like, oh, I have an air conditioner. I should use it. I went and bought three air conditioners a wow. week and a half ago. Did you To three. replace old ones? Yeah, we had two old shitty ones that are, well, no, three old crappy ones that are ready to go. So what do you do? You do like bedroom? Yeah, and living room. And see, so, so where's the third one? Two bedrooms and a living room. Two bedrooms and a living room. Gotcha. Yeah, and we might even use, we, I use one of those like portable ones, you know, that you yeah. wheel around because we don't want to, we have a really nice view and I don't want to put an air conditioner in the window. When I lived in Cleveland, I bought this, it was so hot in my apartment and I bought this super powerful air conditioner and I lived in a very old building. And I turned it on. I was like, oh, this thing's great. It's cooling off. And then my power went off. And I was like, oh, shit, I served the breaker. And then I went out in the hallway. I was like, oh, everyone's power's out <laughs> in the whole building. And because of you? Because of me. <laughs> and it became this thing where, like, there were a couple, like, kind of, like, 
people my age in the building. There's this like, kind of cute girl at the end of the hall, and she was like, "You know what? I'm gonna light some candles. Like we should, like you guys should come over." And I remember like hanging out with like a couple of people like, playing acoustic guitars, <laughs> like drinking beers. So I was like, "This is actually kind of cool." You made a blackout, man. Yeah. And then my the landlord came over and he was like, "Dude, you have to get rid of this thing." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, I was literally, I was like, I'll get rid of it if you don't tell anyone this was my fault." Because everyone was so pissed, and I I knew it was me. And they're like, "This sucks." So I was like, "You know, this fucking building." <laughs> so old they never update anything and in the back of my mind i'm like you are such a liar <laughs> you had like fucking airlifted in an industrial strength it wasn't even that crazy i think but it was definitely too much for they drew a lot of power man yeah i didn't realize that i guess yeah they do what's it like air conditioning a recording studio because i'd imagine sound it's is such a extremely uh it's expensive Okay. Although, you know, it's funny because uh, the act of, of, um, of soundproofing essentially uh, really well insulates a space, like beyond insulates it. So you don't have any heat or cooling loss out of, an air, out of a studio at all. I mean, it's amazing. They're probably like the best insulated structures, but you're constantly generating heat the console and the equipment oh right like huge heaters yeah yeah like i mean you when you, you got a tube amps i guess and yeah like, mainly it's the console like those okay. big ssl consoles that you know people traditionally mix on like if you're gonna build a studio and put one of those in you actually have to budget for the electricity because you'll spend 10 grand a month on electricity let me ask you this question. Um, we're almost done here in case you're fast forwarding through all this. Uh, someone was telling me like if you have like an amp, it's, it's still drawing power if it's plugged in, even if it's not on or on standby. Like they were like, you should unplug your big amps and any like music equipment where you're not using it because it will continue to draw power. Is that true? I do not know. I don't know about that. Or if it's true, is it something like significant? I mean, I'm, I couldn't tell you. I do know that the way that a power amp is... You're talking about like a guitar amp? Yeah. Well, there's a there's a power switch right at the main... No, it's not true. I don't, okay. I don't think it could be true. This isn't like probably something someone in like high school like told me once and I'm like... You know what draws power is wall warts. What? You know, wall warts, like those plugs for, for like everything in our life, you know, where there's a big block with a plug on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like for like whatever. I mean, even like an iPhone my, charger yeah. is, a, is a small wall wart. But those little things... You know, when you unplug your phone or you unplug your fucking whatever, you're plugged into it, like, those things have, uh, the electronics is still active in the in the block of plastic. Interesting. So, yeah, they continue to draw power. Yeah. Maybe that's what your friend was Maybe, yeah, so. But a guitar amp should not, I don't think, because gotcha. it has a, the main power in lead, that's where the switch is. When you flip off your power switch, I think, I don't think there's any other leads that go to any other circuitry. Yeah, that makes sense. There you go. All right. And that has been today's segment of <laughs> talking, recording with Brad. Talking tech bullshit with talking Brad. Tech <laughs> um, luckily for you, this that isn't the name of this podcast. <laughs> it's called Going Off Track. And today we have an amazing guest, Anika Pyle. Um, you may know her um, from being in the now defunct but highly celebrated band Chumped for a long time. And uh, Anika now is doing um, a new band. It's called Katie Ellen. Um, she lives in my neighborhood. She's super cool. She knows a lot about a lot of interesting topics that we don't know a lot about. So we, yeah, we talked. Um, 
Was Benny on this podcast? Maybe we had kind of stopped doing this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we recorded this one a while ago. We had a guest host, maybe. I don't think Benny was. I don't think he was. But I'm going to end up editing this. Maybe now. Steven was. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry to add extra work for you. Anyways, we we uh, we talked about a lot of interesting stuff. We talked a lot about Trump, a lot about her new band, and then we talked a lot... The night before this podcast, she did a show with former guests Chris Farron and Laura Stevenson and talked a lot about binary gender, gender identity, all this stuff that is not really a big part of my life, but I'm interested in. So, And she did a really good job of explaining all these sort of... Laura Stevenson is due back here. Laura is due back. She's a great guest. Laura's great. Yeah, we did one Yeah, we did one with her and Jeff. I guess that was probably like a, when her record came out. We could get her back. Ago, man. She lives upstate now. Uh but we'll get her down here. But yeah, Anika was great. Um, she's a super, super talented musician um, and knows a lot of other stuff and works at a cool coffee shop and mean to go to. <laughs> so it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So um, yeah. Enjoy this this fun podcast with Anika Pyle. So Anika, um, thank you for helping us troubleshoot the tech tech <laughs> issues this morning. You're so welcome. Um, is that something you do on the side or not really? No, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, actually, I know nothing about computers or okay. phones. And I had someone who was definitely under the age of 20 years old teach me how to use Twitter the other day. Yeah. Uh, which made me feel, okay. which really empowered me, but mm-hmm. made me feel uh, like I'm a complete idiot. <laughs> So I didn't know that you had to put the dot in front of the at oh, if yeah. you're like starting the tweet with the at or else no one's going to see it. When I first got Twitter, Sarah Lewitton had it first and I was tweeting at her like, can you see this? Like I didn't understand. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, everyone that follow." And I was like, Is, are we just texting? Was, yeah. So I sort of understand it now. Sort of. That's, that's the only one I understand is Twitter. Everything else I don't get. Like I, Like Instagram, I sound like a great grandfather where it's like, uh, it's just pictures, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, so, so who cares? <laughs> and I'm like, no, even my wife is like, no, no, no. Instagram is cool. You can see what other people are looking at and taking pictures of. And I'm like, yeah, that just doesn't sound exciting to me at all. <laughs> and you can also put pictures on Twitter. So what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Anika, what's your social media presence like? Uh, well, it's funny that you say that because I was just thinking about how it's really just, I don't know. I feel like if you're looking at my social media, you'd be like, who is this weirdo person? Who <laughs> Like, I just, yeah, I don't know how to do much of anything. And, but I just got into photo editing, which is oh, nice. Yeah? yeah. Like editing on my phone, which is cool. But my social media presence is like... Uh, I'm just like an old person, so Instagram I can do okay. Actually, Twitter don't really? understand it at all. Yeah, my Instagram's on lock. Well, not yeah, I wouldn't right say that, good. but it's pretty good. It's okay. I like take pictures of like flowers and um, like trash on the street and stuff. But what makes your pictures of flowers and the trash on the street stand out against all the other pictures of flowers and trash on the street? Uh, I don't think they stand out at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's well like, played Anika. well that's the thing is like i uh you know i don't really care that much i actually like hate my phone but i do sometimes take pictures that i'm like 
I'd like to share this with the two people who care out there on the internet somewhere. Yeah. Why do you hate your phone? Because it's like a constant distraction from reality. On the way here, I was like, I wish I was being more mindful, but I'm just listening to this song and I'm really into it. And then I like completely walked past Hope Street and I was like, wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's a metaphor of my whole life. Uh, I've been really into this artist, Mickey Blanco. Okay. Um, the song is called She Gutta. Okay. Uh, very important, um, like non-binary, uh, like rap hip hop artist that I just got into like two days ago and I can't stop listening to it. Um, so I saw you, you played with Chris and Laura the other Mm -hmm. night. That was great. Steven, you missed an awesome show. Um, all my life is missing awesome shows, (laughs) but you were sort of talking about the non-binary stuff Mm -hmm. in between songs. And I was like, I think I'm on Anika's side with this, but I don't know what it is, but I feel like generally, but can you explain that maybe for people who are like me? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking about the, like the hegemonic binary the hegemonic gender binary essentially which is like you there's two people have this perception that there's two genders there's you know there's women and men which is associated with your sex male or female and your sexual preference which is your both your like outward basically okay let me back up i wish i had my book so i could show you the picture but it's like women look like women so i think that we all have an idea of what a quote-unquote woman looks like in our mind we think that they are also female so they're like biology is they have specific set of sex organs and then they also are presumed to be uh like quote-unquote heterosexuals so they have a sexual preference for a man which we can all picture what a man looks like and that man is associated with a particular set of sex organs that are quote-unquote male and they are also uh you know oriented to have sexual preference towards a quote-unquote woman and the thing about the hegemonic binary is that it's been drilled into our brains so consistently that we adopt these ideas that are you know they're just categories that we've invented to understand people uh but it's like so limiting because your idea of a woman is like expansive you know and your idea of a man is like should be expansive but it's it's not and like people don't adhere to those binaries as consistently as you think they would so like a lot of people who are like yeah that's a woman looks like a woman definitely has female sex organs and is into men like that you know nothing about that person like other than what the visual cues are telling you that they look like and those are backed by assumptions about what kind of person that they are so what I was talking about at the show was deconstructing the binary in your brain. So it's like, I think a problem that we're facing right now um, is 
people are challenging, you know, it's not a problem. I think it's like amazing, but a lot of people approach this as like a social issue. It's like people challenge the binary. So like you don't know how to categorize someone. Someone doesn't use a pronoun that you're used to. Someone doesn't identify as a woman, but looks like a woman and like does things that you think a woman should do or, you know, someone otherwise is like a very, you know, normative looking and behaving, um, you know, man, but they do a bunch of other things that fall outside of the binary's assumption of what a man does, either, you know, who they fuck or what they, how they cut their hair even, or, you know, like what they choose to do with their time, how feminine they are. Um, and so I think like challenging everyone to understand how non-binary they probably are in many ways uh, will allow people to be more understanding and accepting of like things outside of this like hegemonic rule of man, woman, male, female, uh, heterosexual. Um, yeah. Like everyone is so much more queer than they think they are. Uh, I think. And if you could just like open yourself to that, we would all be like a little bit more, we would be better for it. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't never have heard any of that stuff. I read a book that, um, was, it's like an academic book, but it was very readable and digestible. It was called Feminism is Queer. And it was, um, just like a brief overview of the intersectionality of feminist and queer theory. And it did the best explanation of the gender binary that I've ever read. It was really helpful. Well, it's been, and I'm not going to like pretend I know anything about feminism. So just as a caveat, (laughs) 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 Um, but except you do. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe I do, but like, I'm not, I I don't know. Do you think women should be treated the same, make as much money as a man for the same job uh, among other things? Sure. Then you're a feminist. Boom. Done. But it seems like there's some kind of like friction, like between like what I've read, like sort of like the feminist community and like some of the trans stuff. Like it does seem like I've read all stuff where like there'll be like a festival and then like they won't be sure. And like, so that, that kind of stuff is interesting to me because you would think like it's almost like I read this article and they were interviewing both sides and they were basically like these trans people don't understand our struggle we've been women our whole lives Mm -hmm. and now you know what I mean it's which I thought was like really just outside of my I don't know yeah I actually was thinking about I'm not sure if we're referring to the same like festival situation in our like 40 years or something yeah and the thing is like part of you know what's important i think about talking about breaking down the binary is that women who are you know cis women who are who adhere to the binary a lot even if you know maybe their sexual preferences are more expansive than you would think um or their clothing is you know their their visual like bodily cues would lead you to believe they're more radical women or whatever. Um, A lot of women feel like a feminist sisterhood with other cis women. Like you have a period, it's a struggle. You're like oppressed from birth. Like, and you know, I understand that and it's very important and like, it's 
you know, a very powerful relationship. Um, but I also think that all women are not, I hate using the term all, but cis women are doing themselves a disservice if they're not opening their sisterhood to trans women. And I think we have a problem with expanding our definition of woman um, to include all different types of women. There are so many different types of ways to be a woman. There are so many different types of ways to be a man. If you feel empowered by identifying as a woman, then great. If you feel empowered by identifying as a man, then great. If you feel empowered by completely identifying as something different and making something up that works for you, then fucking fantastic. But the thing is, is that closing yourself to relationships that can break down oppression because you're unwilling to like open your own re-identification to include different types of people i think it's really dangerous um where does the binary thing end with say like uh the rachel dolzai like race identification or um even a uh, deaf people um uh, my brother's hearing impaired um and but he can hear. Mm -hmm. And so he was never accepted into like the deaf community or deaf schools um, because they identify as a race. Now I have another friend who's very big in the deaf community and his, both his parents were deaf. Mm -hmm. So he grew up signing and he said, it's a really big discrepancy. If, if someone gets say a cochlear implant so that they can hear, yeah, then they get ostracized, which is very weird because it's not looked upon as a disability. Whereas if you're in a wheelchair and all of a sudden you can not, get an operation you can walk you're not going to get you know people people aren't going to look at that as you betraying something so uh, it's like i wonder how that does that fall in any of those categories of, uh, of what of the de that categories of the definition of binary for you um yeah i mean i i have a hard time like i can't speak for um, other communities necessarily um but i think that it's important to feel empowered by group identification um, because, you know, that's how shit gets done. That's how things change. Um, but I think that we have an overall problem with understanding forgiveness and acceptance. Um, and there's a lot of trauma involved in most people's struggle uh and so you can you know be triggered easily by someone who you thought you identified with and then now they're different or they're more able or they're you know less they're not a woman anymore or whatever uh but it doesn't mean that they didn't identify with that struggle at one point and the thing about identity that's really hard for people to, people to accept is that you can identify as whatever you want whenever you want that's a personal choice and people who identify similarly find power in numbers because it's empowering to share your struggle with others. But people have a tendency to forget that like opening yourself to understanding the different types of struggle, like the different types of identification, um, 
like I think it limits it limits you. It's like you can be protective of your own personal experience and your struggle and the experience that um you've you know shared with those people who identify similarly and I think that's really important but I also think that we all need to be a little bit better about being understanding of difference you know it's like don't forget that the reason why you're empowered is because you're different and like you know don't shut out people who are also different like bring people in like include people like listen to them like just like fucking listen to people we have a serious problem with not listening which goes back to like the you know the whole phone thing is like uh if you like listen with an open heart and like a forgiving heart and like understand a little bit about what someone's going through um instead of being quick to like shame them or chastise them or talk shit about them on the internet without knowing who they are or i don't know I don't know. I think it's interesting because I think it's cool you think about this stuff so much because I feel like it's so easy just to get caught up in your own world and sort of like your own viewpoints and not really concern yourself with stuff that doesn't directly affect you. It's Benny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and Anika is swearing so much right now <laughs> that I have to keep bleeping her and it is it's really not cool to be honest. Uh, Whoa, uh, chill out. Whoa, dog. There you are. Just bring him in. Okay. We got I could that hear right. everything. I just couldn't see for a second. Yeah. I think Benny was calling, but we'll get him later. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, can't. I like what you said about inclusion because the hard part about inclusion and also you said forgiveness, which I also like, is if you're going to talk and listen to somebody, you got to listen to people whose point of view is the complete and utter opposite mm-hmm. and is super, super judgy i find it when i was in college uh krs1 came and spoke i know i've mentioned this before in the podcast and the first thing he said was when he had uh this whole crowd of people uh of which there was four white people i was one of them Mm -hmm. was uh there can be no end of racism until there's an end of sexism and that stuck with me Mm -hmm. and like and like like burned me and Never, not until I had girls as a dad did all of a sudden even more sexism start. I just see it everywhere. Yep. And uh, to the point where I went up to the manager at a Toys R Us and like, why aren't the tools in the girls section too? <laughs> Hell yeah. And they went, they said, uh, poor people who work there. And I said, but the doctor's stuff is in the girls section. I'll give you that one. <laughs> And then the other day we were out buying uh, cupcakes for their birthday and um, they wanted to, they, they had um, a place we were at. The grocery store had cupcakes with different like superhero rings in them, Batman mm-hmm. and Superman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so proud of them. They both went, where's Wonder Woman and Supergirl? Hell yeah. <laughs> and the ladies were like, uh. <laughs> and then we were at some store that had all these Star Wars pillows and pillows, Star Wars pillows. And one of my girls went, uh, I'm going to go see the Princess Leia one. And they didn't have one. Oh, no. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's so, it's so weird. It's like, you're exactly right. And I hate saying it, but you're born a woman. The deck is stacked and it sucks because I have yet in my life 
met a guy smarter or more intuitive than a, than a, than a woman <laughs> ever. And I mean that in all seriousness, not placating that anything. It's uh, most guys I know are dummies and self-admittedly. And most women I know are very smart. And there's always that, you know, yeah, there is there is the um, predication towards emotion. But, you know, some of that's biology. And I don't mean that in any kind of uh, disrespectful way. I have nieces who are just hitting 13 and 14. And there is a there is a crazy change, which is fascinating and also horrifying because I have twin girls, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's 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 it saddens me. And I get I get very nervous about like, you know, and, and my wife and I are very open. We're like, you know, they're they're very into being a mom now. That's their that's what they both want to be as moms. Mm hmm. And, and they're twins. And one of them's like, I'm going to have a girl. The other one's like, I don't want to have a baby. Why do I want to have a baby? And I'm like, yeah, right on. You don't have to do that. Yeah, that's weird. Um, do whatever you want. I, before we start talking about like Green Day or something, <laughs> I had like one more question mm -hmm. uh, about this stuff because I would be interested in getting your take. So I feel like we probably have a lot of the same ideas, but I do think like what Steven's saying about like being open to other ideas and that kind of stuff, that seems in some ways to sort of be at odds with like, I do feel like a lot of these super progressive college campuses and stuff like are sort of not open. Like I feel like whenever there's someone like not all the time, but it seems like a lot of times when someone they don't agree with comes, they like protest it or try to get them banned or like try to interrupt. And to me like that, that part of it, I just can't sort of get behind. Like it does seem like a little bit, you don't want to sort of hear anything that doesn't exactly agree with your point of view, which I think it's always good to know other people's points of view, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, that's what freedom of speech is about. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and it's hard to watch someone who disseminates very hateful ideas have a platform. Right. Um, well, there are, there are rules about freedom of speech that people forget. Like, uh, there, there are, there that you have freedom of speech. You do have a right, but much like you have a right to have a gun, you don't in a lot of places have a right to shoot somebody. So there's 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 laws in place for that. You right. know? And it's it's weird to say, but it's the truth. So you can't just you can't race bait or incite. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and then say freedom. Uh, yeah, I'm speech. not talking about having like white supremacists or something. Like Yeah. Oh, I mean I think I, you are, Jonah. And <laughs> I think it's time for you to come clean. No. I think it's important to like that is a very different scale from um, you know, shutting someone out of a conversation because right. you don't think that they identify with your values or they, um, you know, aren't, are insensitive. And so therefore you don't want to even entertain a conversation with them because you don't feel like your entire life has to be a learning opportunity for someone. Um, I think it's important for people to express their ideas. And then I think it is equally if not more important for people to retain the right to counter those ideas through protest through art through uh, you know idea making um and it's when like non-violently sorry not not an advocate for violence but like you know it's okay for people to speak their mind and it's okay for people to speak their mind with a completely opposite opinion I think the problem is that everyone needs to listen a little bit more and yeah. like, and, um, 
it's hard to be understanding when like you just can't fucking understand why someone would think the way that they think totally um but it's important to like open yourself and remain kind i think um and sometimes it's hard like i don't mean like oh baby you like hate anyone who is not like you like that's so sad like let's hold hands and talk about it but be like why do you think that here's what i think like come come into my space so you can learn something if you're gonna make a fucking mockery of it you know like i think about this all the time it shows it's like learn to learn to like be respectful if you're gonna be disrespectful like i'm gonna ask you to leave but like i'm not gonna publicly shame you about it i'm not gonna be like don't you know i'm not gonna be like this guy sucks and like he should get the fuck out and like fuck him and everybody like him like i'm gonna be like that is not a way to be a person you have disrespected someone like don't touch people who are strangers like with force or sexual violence like don't assault people remove yourself and like take a refund on the way out you know like has that happened at your shows before because i would think like a chomter and anika show would be pretty like people with similar values to you not for the most part but yeah i mean you'd you'd think (laughs) you'd think that but like people you know not being a good person is not common sense you know right right and that when we played austin uh chump played austin with jeff rosenstock last about a year ago now um there was a person who was you know essentially assaulted in the front row during the show i had no idea no one at the show no one playing had any idea that it happened if it had we would have obviously addressed it immediately like um but through the internet we found out later and then um you know responsibly reached out to this like all appropriate parties and made a statement about being a fucking human being at in a public space it's like you don't touch people like i mean you go to a show you expect to be in close quarters with someone you don't put your hands anywhere on them intimately or forcefully like ever you don't do that you don't do that on the subway you don't do that on the street you don't do that with like a sexual partner unless you know that they're comfortable with it or that or that they can communicate that they don't want it. Um, and we take a lot of liberties on like physical uh, intimacy. And that was just so incredibly inappropriate. And I feel like no matter what kind of show I play, I feel like you have to open it with a statement about like personal space. Like don't touch people's bodies. They teach you that in Montessori school. I don't know where your kids <laughs> go to school, but they like... You know, you like have to ask a kid if you can give them a hug. You have to ask a kid if they want like their hand to be held when you, well, maybe not when you cross the street, but like you should ask and they're not, you don't, you're not taught to like consent to anyone touching you when you're a kid. Cause when you're a kid, people just like pick you up and hug you and like toss you around yeah. and it's like tickle you. I it's like, I don't want you to touch me. Like, how am I supposed to learn deal. what's comfortable? Says, stop tickling me. You stop. That's, yeah. That's how it's gotta be. Yeah. Consen- um, consent is a hard thing to teach, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't have rights as a child. And that's the fact. That's why there's 18 and you, you do not. <laughs> I was a teacher. There are no rights as a child. Um, people take care of you, have to help you do things. Um, 
there's a responsibility of, a, of an adult. And that is really hard. That's why there's a big push with teaching children is empathy. Yeah. And it has been for a number of years now. Preschool's changed and it's actually very cool. Um, so empathy is kind of a big deal. But I have a question. Nika, where are you from? I'm from Colorado. Right on. What part? Mm, Monument. It's like a Monument. right outside of Colorado Springs. Okay. Yeah. God-fearing town. Yeah, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good when they fear God. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sinners in the hands of fear him. Yeah, yeah. I'd fear it too, shit. I love living my life in fear. That's how I want to live. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, good. It's great. It's good. <laughs> Anytime I get like an email, I'm like, this is bad news. Yeah. Like, it's like, why do I do this? Uh, it's the best thing ever that could happen to me. And when did you, when did you make your way to the East Coast? I moved here. I moved to New York City in... 2007, August of 2007. Oh, that's, right I moved here in 2007 too. Hell yeah. Just a dream in a suitcase, <laughs> right? Yeah. Pink suitcase <laughs> and a dream. Did you, uh, did you, did you, did you attend higher learning schools after Montessori or? Uh, <laughs> I did. I went to NYU. Um, oh yes. Yeah. So I'm full ride, right? Uh, <laughs> No, like three quarters of a ride, but I really had to beg them to do it. Um, they, yeah, I, the thing that they don't tell you when you're 17 is, uh, that when you assume complete financial responsibility for your higher education, that means that if you can't pay someone your sophomore year, you don't get to go back to school. Um, so yeah, I, like had to re- I had to basically write a letter to everyone I knew at NYU and be like I can't afford this it's actually ridiculous that you think anyone could afford this it's insane <laughs> how much that school costs yeah. and I know a lot of people have gone through there it's yeah I just I you know grew up not I didn't apply to any schools at home I really wanted to go to NYU but like didn't want to um, I don't know. I came from a poor family, like wanted to escape the cycle of poverty, understood that getting a higher education was the best way to do that. Didn't want to settle for something that I didn't want, which meant that I showed up in New York city, $200,000 in debt. <laughs> um, so it was like, I escaped the cycle of poverty only to be back in the cycle of poverty. <laughs> um, but I don't like, you know, even though it took a lot of work to like get scholarships to like beg the Dean to get me more scholarships to like, you know, get a bunch of grants. So like the last two years, two and a half years of my school were funded. Um, but you know, I'm sitting on thousands and thousands of dollars of debt right now. That is like, that's awful. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's just like a reality. Which it shouldn't be, but uh, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, it's a reality for yeah. for anybody. Yeah. And um, what did you study? I studied metropolitan studies and food studies. So it was basically like an interdisciplinary social sciences degree about like food culture and the city. Cool. Yeah. 
I had no idea. Of course, like that existed. I like it. (laughs) I didn't either. Then you decided to start a punk band to get rich. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. I was like, this is just not, I just gotta. You should try doing a free podcast. (laughs) Dude, it's a great way to break even in life. Trust me. (laughs) Word. I'm about that. Um, and, uh, so what did you, did you have any like cool dorms you lived at here? Cause I had some friends who went to NYU lived in these like, like on Union Square, like all these amazing places. Yeah. I lived, I went straight to fourth and 14th and that was the first place I lived in New York. Okay. Oh shit. Nice. Um, which was crazy to me because now thinking about living in Union Square, it's like, who lives there? <laughs> totally, totally. Um, God, it's so expensive there. Yeah. And then I lived in uh, the West Village in a dorm for a little while. Okay. Oh, really? What street? Greenwich. At the and Greenwich Hotel. Sounds fancy. And what? Greenwich and, I don't know, it was like a block from, I can't remember, I think it was Greenwich Street, not Greenwich avenue because there's an avenue right yeah um mm-hmm. but it was like two blocks from the river which was re- very cool but yeah. i lived with like i think there was one two three four five six there was eight girls in one apartment there's three bedrooms so i had two other people in my room and my i looked out onto a brick wall so there was like no natural light in the apartment at all um Sounds about right. The West yeah. Village will poison you, though, because when you walk around there, you're like, oh, this is doable. I could live here and have a life. This is wonderful. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, $70 million for this house. Great. <laughs> oh, it's insane. For this one-bedroom apartment where the floor is uneven. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Thanks. Um, and then, so you also work at a coffee shop. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, have you all, is that... Have you always done that or is that something sort of new or have you always been into coffee? I've always been into coffee. My first, well, my technically my first like job in New York City was working in a coffee shop. And I, I always wanted to do that. I just had romanticized it in my mind. Um, like, yeah, I want to work at a coffee shop in the East Village. Totally. Uh, and I did. And it was great. And I like working in coffee although i have to it's been like my second job for a long time now it is my job um but i've been like in management and done nonprofit administration and i've had like a thousand different jobs um but i like coffee because it's a i can like learn a skill (laughs) and i feel like when you study metropolitan studies and food studies it's really hard to define what skills you have (laughs) I have great critical analysis skills. I have great writing skills. I have um, great like people skills, but none none of that really. No one cares. Um, uh, so I got fired from a coffee shop, so I know that's pretty impressive. Really, yeah. I've been fired from most jobs. I've got a pretty good record of being let go from places. Well, I didn't really get fired, but they weren't so sad to see me leave. Um, Trish, like my wife quotes this story a lot because there's a, it was a coffee bean and tea leaf in California. And someone said, can you just fill up that, that French roast bin? And I did. And it wasn't until after I did that, that I saw that I filled it up with all espresso beans. Oh no. <laughs> and so I, I just didn't tell anybody. Oh no. And sometimes I look back and think I really affected a lot of people's days. Is it that big of a difference? 
Well, if you're... It's not like you filled it with, like, LSD or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was the other one I did. (laughs) I mean, it depends on who you ask. I feel... Here's my thing. I like coffee. I drink it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to drink it every day. I also don't feel like it gives me any energy. Like, I feel like I have, like, a freaky body where, like, nothing, like, affects me the way it should. Like, I'll drink all this coffee, I'm like, yeah, I feel the same. Like, if I smoke a joint or something, I'm like, all right, I feel different. Yeah. But if I drink a bunch of coffee or, like, drink a bunch of juice or do a cleanse, I'm always like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm still me. Yeah, I'm, like, so... I drink so much coffee or, like, so consistently. Do you want some more? I can get you some more. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, it's, the, it's the most popular addictive drug. Uh, yeah, I just... I don't even feel, I don't, I just like need it to like feel human. Do you get a headache if you don't drink it? Um, no, I don't know. It's been a really long time yeah. since I haven't <laughs> drank it, but it's also the ritual of it, right. which is why working in coffee is interesting because it is so ritualistic. Like people get the same thing every day. It's part of their process, you know, and it's interesting the way that uh people like rely upon it or like plan their day around it or that or that it really does affect you like if you are used to getting the same french roast at a coffee shop like every day 365 days a year and then all of a sudden you're like what the fuck is this cuz it cuz it's like espresso instead of french roast then do you ever just yell addict across the counter at anybody <laughs> just to see how they react or no because you know we i'm i'm part of that community you know so i understand Amen. Do you, how do you feel about like this? Like, I, I like that I'm asking about all these topics I know nothing about, but I'm, it seems like there's like a trend now for kind of like super fancy, kind of high end, like mm-hmm. $5, like pour over. Like, do you think that stuff is cool or do you think it's like getting a little out of control or uh, what's your official stance? My, it's complicated um, because I think I don't like the co-optation of such a like accessible and you know proletarian beverage by the grotesque um like intricacies of like taste uh why do you hate ethiopia (laughs) i i love ethiopia um, I actually went to a delicious, I don't know if I can say that, but I went to a delicious Ethiopian restaurant the other night and I was like, Ethiopian food's amazing. Yeah, really good. it was so good. Especially Bana. if you like raw meat. Village? No, it was Bana on, um, Flushing and Knickerbocker. Really? Yeah. By me. So good. My favorite place I've been to in New York City in a really long time. That's great. Ethiopian food is so phenomenal. Yeah, it was really good. I'll forget the name, but then I can listen to this podcast. Great. And then Perfect. I'll be like, yeah, 38 in it. It's in. Yeah. <laughs> But coffee, I don't know. I I think like, again, it's just like people get obsessed about taste and like that shit is preferential and really based on your like access to time and money. Um, And this is like essentially what I studied in school was uh, and then I got a grant to like buy a bunch of coffee, which was great. But um, yeah, it's like... Some people like Dunkin' Donuts. Some people like a $5 pour over. One is not better than the other. Like you can, there are like objective, you know, quote unquote, like objective reasonings that one could be better than the other. Like Dunkin' Donuts is a massive corporation. Like 
They don't take care of their employees. They don't give a shit about the quality of the beans. They don't source from like farms that are, uh, you know, like selling product at a price where they're going to be able to survive. Uh, they don't bake their donuts on premises. They don't either. bake their donuts on premises. You know, like you can. And neither like, does Krispy Kreme, except for the icing ones. I've looked into this. <laughs> there you go. That's a reason. Whereas, like mm-hmm. you know, the fancy coffee shop that's like a five dollar pour over and like a ten dollar croissant that they like bake right there for you, like you know, every day. Um, that's fair trade. They like can you know source the farm. Um, like someone might say that one is better than the other, but uh, that's that's all based on like your experience, and right. I don't like the sort of like pretension of the coffee industry, um, because I think that people should again be a little bit more forgiving, accepting, and understanding of people's preferences and also their position. Like not everyone can afford to buy your good cup of coffee and their cup of coffee is good and even if they buy your good cup of coffee they're still gonna put milk and sugar in it because that's how they like to drink it and that doesn't make them a bad person it just makes them different it's pretty Um, fascinating to see an industry that's happened in our lifetimes because mm -hmm. it was even up in the 80s the quote was uh you know that and a dime will get you a cup of coffee because coffee was the cheapest thing ever and then proliferation it has become uh almost elitist in some ways. And then it went right back down to, well, everybody can go to Starbucks, but you're still paying a lot more money, which fascinates me. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like the science of coffee, um, the, you know, I mean, I was a person who was like, I don't want to have anything to do with science. Like I'm never going to use science in my job. I want a job. I don't have science. I want the humanities. And then all of a sudden I'm like using a machine reader that reads like, you know, extraction percentages to like make a cup of coffee. And I'm like, where am I? Why am I doing this? And, but it's, it is really interesting the way that the scientific method is applied in like very serious coffee industry situations. It's like you approach the espresso, like, how am I going to make this good? And then it's like, well, what's good? I guess like these parameters are good. And then you can change these four variables and you know you want to get this particular percentage yield and it's like that stuff is interesting and it's also just fine to like go to mcdonald's and like buy a dollar cup of coffee like when you have nothing else and you're in the middle of the country on tour and you are like thirsty for coffee you know like yeah what do you think of the keurigs uh, yeah i think it's like i mean it's just wasteful yeah you know it's so much plastic uh, that is that yeah it's a big deal that's the biggest thing for me is like you're constantly i don't like being tethered to anything that's disposable it's like you buy a french press you don't ever have to buy a filter for it it's right. like um you know even if you use like a like a mr i have a mr coffee too and i have a like a reusable yeah, yeah same filter here. i don't like Keurig because it's like i don't really like the coffee that it makes most of the time but I'm not going to complain if it's the only thing around. Um, but it's just like so much material that like is just going into a trash heap. I don't like that about it. We toured with a band, this band Silver Snakes mm-hmm. in the West Coast, and they were like the biggest 
beer and coffee snobs I've ever met. Like, we'd be late to shows because they'd be like, we have to stop at this one place. <laughs> and they would only, I mean, like, I guess there's like, with espresso, you're supposed to drink it like, fe- like at once at a certain temperature or something. I don't know. And then I remember we were late for a show and we were near Starbucks and I was like, do you guys just want to get espresso there? And they were like, are you fucking kidding? Like, they couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like, they were like, I can't believe you suggest. I was like, sorry. Like, it's really funny how, like, I don't know, just like punks or like dudes in bands and stuff can get so like, in, like into that stuff and like don't really think they're being pretentious. I'm like, are you guys serious? And yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a strange thing. It's really, it's funny how, how like, beer and coffee has become a lot more like wine, but people who are into beer and coffee, like, tend to shun a lot of things that, totally you know, the wine industry promotes, but, like, it's the same kind of pretension. I feel like I like all those things, but I don't have that, like, I can't really tell that much of a difference. Like, if it's good, it's just fine. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like people are like, do you taste this, like, vanilla and, like, oak or whatever? I'm like, no, I don't yeah. <laughs> Can you taste that stuff? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you have to like develop a palate for that. Yeah. Which again means that, you know, to taste oak or to taste kiwi or like starfruit, you have to have tasted starfruit and kiwi. Like a lot of people don't have access to those things. Right. That's um, true. You know, or like they they haven't, they don't know what like bourbon vanilla beans are because they're not reading about it in like every specialty food magazine and they can't buy it at their local grocery store. So it's like, yeah, to be able to have an expansive palate, you have to have a myriad of experiences that require access to a money to buy those things or purchase those experiences or time. Uh, so you can sit around all day and like taste stuff and talk about what it tastes like. And to have a bunch of time, you have to have a bunch of money anyway. So. It's like, I don't know if you can see this. Anika's eating a starfruit and kiwi sandwich right now. <laughs> it looks delicious. Did she make it on Chopped? <laughs> uh, I don't know. My sister was she, recently on The Chew. Have you seen that show? Uh, my grandma oh, yeah. loves The Chew. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Vanessa was on it like last week, and she couldn't believe how they could stir stuff and talk at the same time. <laughs> and she kept talking about it. She was like, how do you guys, this is amazing, right? <laughs> and they're like, I guess this is our job. It was Aww, really funny. That's funny. Yeah. Like Do you watch that. any of those cooking like shows or anything? I used to when I was. Um, Sorry, I know I'm asking all like the real hard hitting questions. No, right it's now. okay. I used to when I was younger. It's like how I got people like talk shit about Rachel Ray, but I like learned most things about cooking, like or preparing a meal that is good for me from watching Rachel Ray. Um, You're the big tra- the the tra- the well, right? Big deal. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I used to watch a lot of that stuff, but I don't have like the time or patience for it really yeah. anymore. Sometimes I watch Anthony Bourdain, um, yeah. because it's interesting to see him go different places. And I think it's very tasteful. Anthony Bourdain is a derice, divisive, derisive. Is that a word? De- divisive? He's both. Divisive? De- both. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Bourdain is a character, uh, but I really like Parts Unknown, and I also really like to know reservations a lot. But I don't watch. I like, much TV. I like both those shows, but he uh, um, as as a, as a newly uh, not newly, it's been about two years now, vegetarian. That there's parts where I'm like, ah, I just can't watch any more crap, and it's weird how my brain has shifted. Yeah, it's hard to get behind stuff like that. You have to disassociate 
in your brain a little bit if you don't eat meat because it's like so so meat centric you know yeah um which is fun i mean i miss it but you know it's just one of those one of those things um so why'd your band stop recording <laughs> okay. Now that all the talk about social politics so and feminism is out of the way. No, I'm just no, I'm just no the reason I ask, and we've and Jonah and I have asked um a number of bands this. Um and there's varying degrees of reasons and I'm all and I'm fascinated True. uh when a band says uh hiatus. Yeah. And uh, not just and, and not just does one of two things, just break up, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um and or just not say anything. Yeah. And we've talked to so many people from, from hell, from Thursday to fallout boy to even, um, Brian Fallon was just in there and they just, you know, made an announcement. We're going to go on a hiatus for a little while, Mm -hmm. you know, which is interesting. And fallout boy is one of the the grander successes with it. Like, yeah, we went on hiatus and we're back. Yeah. You know? So I just, I'm always interested why, uh, what's, what's the reasoning? Well, Basically, we had, you know, a very, we were a band for four years. We did more than we ever, ever expected that we would do. You know, we like started a band for catharsis and then ended up touring Europe, which I feel really grateful for. And when I think about it, I still like actually can't believe that we were able to do that. Um, But the number one rule was if it's not fun anymore, we don't do it. Um, Beyond valid and understandable. Yeah. Because like, you know, (laughs) you shouldn't be in a pop punk band if it's not fun. What the fuck is the point? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we just had like, it was a few years of like a lot of change. And um, I think, you know, we just wanted to do different things, wanted to go in some different directions, wanted to explore different parts of ourselves. And I think we kind of just wanted to grow up a little bit. And uh, that meant that Chumped didn't really make sense uh, for the four of us together at this time. And it might not ever, but it's hard to like, say something like we're breaking up um when you know it's so special to you 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 know it's always interesting to me is like i was in a band for a long time that broke up and it's like when it it's like you you can tie so much of your identity into it Mm -hmm. where you're like i'm like anika from chum drum jennifer and then like that thing doesn't exist and you're like like who am i like i always am so associated with this thing and then this thing isn't there it's like it becomes so tied into who you are, who you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Kathleen Hanna speak about that once, um, kind of her like creation of her self and her, her personal identity with bikini kill. And it meant so like, uh, occupied so much of her, um, the way that she thought about herself in the world. And then when, she wasn't doing bikini kill anymore, had to reevaluate all these things about who she wanted to be. Um, and what she was, what she was about, you know? Uh, and I, that I go back to that a lot thinking about where I'm at right now. Um, 
because yeah, you like get swept up in a project that's really important to you that takes you places that occupies all of your time and energy and thought process. You rearrange your life to have a future in it. And then all of a sudden you don't do it anymore. It's like, okay, (laughs) now on to something different. Um, But it's a really exciting thing. I think, you know, uh, for, for everybody to kind of have the ability to redefine themselves. Totally. And when, so when I saw you play with Chris and Laura, like, I feel like you got up there and you're like, I'm so nervous. Mm-hmm. And then you were great. And it was like, you were so funny and it sounded great. I mean, like, do you, you're welcome. Do you feel like you're getting more kind of comfortable with being by? Because I feel like that must be so, I feel like you're so much more exposed, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to play alone. Um, I started playing music by myself and, you know, was a lot more comfortable with that. And then when I started playing in a band for the first time, it was terrifying and I never felt comfortable. And then I got really comfortable with that. And then I was like, okay, well I'm going to go back to square one. But, um, I've been, you know, challenging myself to play, uh, solo because it's a really vulnerable space. And, um, allows like forces you to build some confidence because you have nothing else to fall back on. Um, and, uh, I think that's both, uh, from like a performance standpoint and from a personal standpoint, a really vital process. Um, but I've also been playing in a new project and it's nice to be playing with a band. Um, and also like, have more of a creative focus and be able to articulate that and like work with new people and um, build some skills in communicating like what it is that I want and what a vision for a project is Um, super different from chump. That was like very democratic Uh, and being like, I write these songs. This is, what I think that they're about. This is how I think they should be presented. But then like, you know, playing with new people who have new experiences and, um, different kinds of experience and then watching those songs become something totally different. And that's been really cool too. So do you, is the band like, do you guys, are you recording or doing shows? Are you still, Mm -hmm. what's it called? It's called Katie Ellen. Okay. Um, which was my great grandmother's radio stage name. But now everyone thinks my name is Katie. It's complicated. <laughs> but it's I mean, not a bad name. It's not a bad name. No, it's and good. I, you know, it I felt like it spoke to me more than any other names, really. So um, I've got a Katie that lives in my house. You know, Katie is <laughs> just like real nice real nice name, Katie, I think. Uh I could be I could be a Katie sometimes. <laughs> is your is your Katie as obsessed with poop as much as mine is? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice but, to know that that should, they don't grow out of that. <laughs> no poop poop forever. Poop is an important topic. It uh, is. It's fair. No, it's... we just made a record actually. Oh, yeah. um, oh, right on. Yeah, and it's not done. We're still we still have a bunch of stuff to do, but we tracked all the basics last week in philadelphia um and we'll 
just finish everything else in the practice space essentially next week and then are you playing guitar or i play guitar yeah okay Mm -hmm. and then dan from chumped plays drums okay uh and one half of uh very good friends of ours in a band called adult dude um play guitar and bass okay so but it's cool yeah that's great yeah it's hard i feel like it's so much work starting a new band it's really hard, but it's yeah. like been the most important thing that I've ever done. Like yeah. that and like working out songs, playing alone. Um, they're like a, you know, very, it's a symbiotic process, but it's, it's really freeing, I think, um, to be like, I have this new, I have a completely new opportunity to do something different and to like experiment and, uh, it's hard doing that like in the wake of another project, um, which is something that I think I'll continue to struggle with. Uh, but I don't care. <laughs> it's like, you can still like yeah. jump and you can not like this and it doesn't matter to me, you know, yeah, you're um, going to have to deal with those idiots in the crowd who yell, kiss the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're always there and they always think they're the coolest one. I went, I saw father John Misty, last week which was incredible i love him i didn't even know he played here last week he played philly okay um but it was like so moving and so inspiring but this guy would not stop yelling prince like every time there was a lull in instrumentation he just kept yelling prince and i was like what is the point of this like i don't understand a that seems insensitive to me, but B like shut up. What At some people? It's weird. It's supposed to like just can't handle like there being a moment of quiet. Yeah. Like they're like I have to yell something. It's yeah. so weird. I've never had that instinct. I don't know. It's like I think it's, it's like an attention thing. Attention or? listening problem. Yeah. Like you don't know understand like show etiquette. Right. It's also Philly. Hey. Hey. My wife is from Philly. No offense. And I love going down there because I love the attitude. I went to a beach slang show down there and some guy was just, you know, had his spot up front. He was there. Then the tallest guy in the room came and stood in front of him. And it was the funniest exchange I've seen in a long time. It's like, oh great. Now I can't see. Awesome. You're the best. And then the guy in front of him was like, Yeah, I want to be up front. What? And it was oh God, it cracked me up. Oh man. Because I could see from where I was, so obviously it wasn't affecting everyone, and I get that. <laughs> You're tall. You want to be up front sometimes. I get it, but you got to go to the side, and that's not your fault or whatever. Can, but is, yeah. that, is that a big problem for you when you stand up front at shows? People are like, I can't see anything. <laughs> um, Yeah, they're you know, I'm, I only go to shows with people like five feet and under, so... <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I, I can't see you at all. Yeah. <laughs> How do you even know I exist? <laughs> So it's the way Jonah has the phone set up. I've only seen your head the whole time. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. It's <laughs> okay. We had to improvise. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Uh, I w- people at Father John Misty were very nice, and I had a few people ask if I could see, which oh, was nice. which was very thoughtful. Yeah. I'm small. I did. I swear to God, I always do that. I show this. I'm like, seriously, man, I, I get it. I'm sorry. Can you step over? Because I'm only 5'10, but I'll try. I'm always looking to see who's behind me. Yeah. Can they see? And, uh, you know, it's like going to Bowery Ballroom. It's like, if I get the pole behind me, I'm gold. Then I won't move for the entire night. I won't even yeah. go get a drink. 
Oh, man. When I had my big afro, people would hate standing behind me. So it would be like an extra like six inches. You're like, the, man, this hair. Yeah. And they would go, excuse me, Mr. Gladwell, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you turning point to the left so I can blink and see the artist? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. You know what's crazy is I, <laughs> I guess I bought the Tumblr domain, not Malcolm Gladwell, because mm-hmm. I keep getting these emails like you need to update this site. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I was going to make a blog about this. And then like after five minutes, forgot about it like two years ago. That's funny. Yeah. So it's good to have you a project. Put that, you put that as your Twitter handle. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. I have a, like 20 Bandcamp domains. Really? Yeah, that I feel bad about. I should probably like go on there and relinquish them all because I'm never going to use them. But when I was trying to figure out what to call Katie Allen, I just was like, well, maybe I want this or this <laughs> yeah, or this yeah. one. <laughs> I feel like people do that all the time. That's why when you go on some Bandcamp pages, they're like, there's no tracks here yet because some freak has been like, well, in 10 years when I start this band, I want to make sure I have the Bandcamp. I know. Me and my friend were going to start a band and he wanted to call it Shit God. Oh my God. And there was a band called Shit God that already had the Bandcamp page. (laughs) There's a band called Everything. I know. Yeah. So if you There was a band called Everything, actually. They're from my college. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So if you guys want to take Shit God, you're out of luck. Oh, man. Sorry. Sorry, Nico. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I'm sure you want to change Katie Allen to that, but. It's cool. It'll be a nice album title Katie Allen Shit God. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. Um, that was Anika Pyle and Katie Ellen, ex chumps, current cool person, and I, I learned a lot from that podcast. What about you, Brad? Yeah. Definitely. I like that, you know, I like that we have guests like this on. Yes. I can you know, even if I don't get to sit in, I do get to be educated yeah. later. Yeah. I and like- now I feel educated. Me too. I feel, yeah, I feel like I could get in a debate with someone and almost make a point. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if you like, if you enjoyed Anika's um, sparkling personality, you should uh, check out her bands too. Check out out Katie Allen, check out Chumps. Um, You can follow her on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. You can also follow Going Off Track. You can follow Going Off Track. Not on Instagram, but... I can make an Instagram page. It's just like, I just feel like it's one more thing what to would do. You put up? We probably, you I know, just put photos of us with our guests. I know. It'd be stupid that we don't have an Instagram. All right. I'll make one. No wonder we're fucking poor. I know. I know. I'm going to make an Instagram. You convince me. I've been thinking about <laughs> doing it for about four years. Uh, but we are on Twitter. Um, you can also go to our website, com. You can donate a dollar because we have over 200 podcasts on there and we need to figure out our server situation. We're going <laughs> to... Our current model is... I promise I'll figure it out soon. Yeah. I promise I will never figure it out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to donate a couple bucks to help us keep all those episodes available for free, that would be great. Or if you just want to leave us a nice review on iTunes or drop us a line, that's also totally cool. Um, what else, Brad? Anything you want to promote? Uh, I got my record label kind of back in gear. Just had a couple releases, Playdate and uh, a Goops EP. And where can people historical find soundwag.com go to soundwag.com soundwag records but it's soundwag.com soundwag.com everything there also if you live in boston or brooklyn uh united nations june 21st and 22nd june 21st great scott in boston june 22nd st vitus in brooklyn yeah Um, baby i'm going to bonnaroo i'm bonnaroo when you're hearing this i think and then or no i just got back but yeah the shows are really (laughs) soon i really need to practice 
freaking me out, man. Yeah, I'm going to practice soon, <laughs> and then we're going to play songs, and it's going to be fun. But yeah, if you're in Boston or Brooklyn, come out. I don't think we're doing a ton of stuff this summer, so these will probably be some few chances to see United Nations. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty much it. We'll be back next week with um, another really, really cool podcast. So I guess we'll, we'll talk to that. Am I missing anything? No. Okay, I think that's it. All right, see you Bye. next week. See you guys. Bye. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.